Good morning, Westridge. Good to be here with you today. I thought I'd start with a story I read uh, that happened two weeks ago from a hiker in Yosemite Park out in California. John Wong was uh, 56 years old. He died while hiking along Mist Trail on his way up to see a waterfall in the park. He was struck by falling ice and rock as he walked along. Portions of the trail, I guess, have rocks that hang out over it. Then large icicles form during this time of the year. And when they fall on the trail, that's when they become very dangerous for hikers. Which was why Miss Trail was closed to hikers. The trail closure was clearly marked. There was a gate across the, uh, the trail closing it off. But Wong ignored the signs, went around the gate, and the incident that took his life happened further down the trail. Now, this is the type of story that causes me to wonder, what was he thinking? I mean, maybe, uh, the, maybe he thought that the signs were for other people, not for him. Or maybe he'd hiked the trail before and everything had been fine, so he thought this time would be fine too. But I'm sure that if he would have known the outcome of his, of his hike, he would never have gone past the signs. And yet, if I'm honest, I recognize there are many times that I have ignored the warning signs right in front of me and walked right past the chain across the pathway. Let me ask you a question. How far over the posted speed limit is breaking the law? I asked my wife that question. She said, well, it's as fast as the officer will let you go. Which is true. My son's a cop and it's true. They have their own uh, mindsets on this whole thing. But my wife is not a speeder. I am a speeder. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Okay, that is a problem I have. Well, okay. And, and if I choose to break the law, whose fault is it? I mean, it's amazing to me how lawful my driving becomes in the presence of a police officer. Can you identify with me? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, we're going to continue on with the story of God's series as we, as we look at how God reveals himself through history and now. Uh, last week, Darren left us at the Garden of Eden after it had been closed off to Adam and Eve. They'd been ejected. There was an angel standing there at the entrance of the garden, refusing them re-entry. The plan that God had started with had been disrupted by sin, and everything had changed. But the story wasn't over. In fact, it had just begun. I brought a, a clay pot with me today. Now, I've become aware of how fragile these things really are, unless you bounce them on the stage. For, I learned something first hour. Well, uh, uh, never mind, never mind. But I'm, I'm amazed how, how fragile these things are. You look at them the wrong way, and you get a crack in them, right? My wife makes a, a tower out of these with ascending sizes, and uh, I, I put them together in our shed, and I just click them together, and all of a sudden there's a crack down one side. So what happens when you drop one of these? Yes, I am a crackpot. Okay. <laughs> True. Good. That's good. Now, would you say this pot's good for anything? Here's what happens to our relationship with the Father when sin enters the picture. 
simply said, this is what happened when Adam and Eve chose to ignore the warning signs that God had placed in the Garden of Eden. They sinned, and sin fractured the relationship they once had with the Father. There was no way they could repair it. Now, we understand what sin does to our relationship with God. But if you're anything like me, I simply continue to step across the warning signs. I'm honest. I mean, I, I do. I sin. I don't want to. But I do. The Apostle Paul writes about this in the New Testament book of Romans. He talks about struggling with sin. Here's what he says. What a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this body of death? And that's our situation apart from Jesus. Okay, we get the hope coming, guys. We've got the hope coming. But here's the truth I've seen. Here's the truth I've experienced. Is that God loves people enough to repair the relationship. Now, that's what I want you to hear out of this. If you don't hear anything else today, God loves us enough to repair the relationship. So what we're going to look today is, uh, is how God reveals himself as the story of his love continues. Now, we're going to look at Genesis 4 through Genesis 50. The good news is we'll be done about 3.30 this afternoon. Okay? No, no, no. Here's, here's, here's what we see. Okay, in, the, in this passage, the big concepts are, are, uh, are shown to us. And the first concept is that God is Holy. Now, what comes to mind when you think of something that is pure? Okay, I got my hand sanitizer here. Okay, I drop a drop of this on my hand, and I rub it on, and all of a sudden, my hands are 99.99% pure. You believe that? I don't either. That's what it says, though. Okay, now, now here's the deal. When I'm on a cruise ship, these things are everywhere. And you know why? Because they don't want sickness to spread. Okay, and every place there's food, and there's a couple of places for food on a cruise ship. Okay, they have these, so people can put this on their hands and be clean, or so they think. God is one hundred percent pure. He is holy. There's not a mark of sin on the Father. Sin has no power over Him. Period. He is set apart from all others. Now, what does this look like? Well. I have a couple of plates here with me today. I have the plate I usually eat on. And I have the plate that is our good, not china, but it's false graph, okay? This is our wedding. This is, we got our wedding uh, 37 years ago. How about that? Now, I'm going to take very good care of this, right? Okay, so here's the deal, okay? Darla's not here today, so I can, you know, anyway, anyway, I'm not going to juggle. I'm not going to juggle. So here's the deal. This plate is used for special occasions. Okay, so, so when we have special things, like when we have family time, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, the good stuff comes out. The rest of the time, it's set apart. Okay? We use this, right? This, you throw away. It doesn't matter. This, uh-uh. I'm not doing that. Because it's special. A very weak illustration of who our Father is. He's holy. He's set apart. He's he's special. There's no other like Him. And there's not a mark of sin that can touch the Father. He also can't stand to be around sin, though. In Genesis 6, He reveals a side of Himself we don't like to think about. But it's His angry side. But it's, it's real, where sin is concerned. 
In Genesis 6, it says, God sees how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and every inclination of the thought of his heart was only evil all the time. And then it says this very sobering verse, The Lord was grieved, he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Man had gone from being made in the image of God to suddenly every inclination of his heart only thought about being wicked. Now, we've all seen chaotic events in our world. We've seen wars, uprisings, people being used and abused, ethnic cleansing, slave trading, sex trafficking, you name it, we have seen it. As I was working on this message, I was driving down to St. Louis. I went past Ferguson, Missouri. And you can't hear that for that town's name without thinking about the chaotic scenes a few years ago. How do you think God feels about what he sees at times in our world? Do you suppose his heart still breaks? The Father's holy. He cannot be touched or polluted by sin. Neither will he hang around sin. And I suppose this is why Jesus on the, on the cross said these very poignant words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, I truly believe that that was the moment when Jesus was carrying all of our sins. And the father who had a relationship with his son and the son who had a relationship with his father all of his life, the father turned his back on his son because he cannot be around sin. He is set apart and holy. In the midst of the sin-filled world of Genesis 6, God was still looking for a relationship with man. And you want to see how God revealed himself? Well, see, God determined he was going to wipe mankind from the face of the earth. He's going to start all over again. And it has this phrase, this verse at the end of chapter 6, but, okay, I love that word, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See, this is where I see this transition into the second thing I want to look at today, and that is that God loves people enough to initiate contact. Even though he is holy, even though he is set apart, he wants to hang out with us. He wants to be our father. See, when he saw the way Noah had lived, God spoke to Noah. He told him to, to build his ark. Now, uh, as I said, I was preparing for this. I was driving down, speaking in a, at a chapel service at a college down in St. Louis. I took my Bible app. And I listened from Genesis 4 through Genesis 39 on my way down there. I had plenty of time to listen, okay? I wanted to, I wanted to hear ways that God revealed himself because we're talking about the story of God. So how did God reveal himself? Well, there was this phrase that continued to appear over and over again. It said, and here's the phrase, God appeared. God appeared. What that means is that God showed up. He appeared to Abraham, later to, Abra- later to Isaac, who was Abraham's son, and then to Jacob, who was Abraham's grandson. He showed up to them. In each of these instances, God was the one who initiated the contact. You see, we can't get back to God on our own. God had to come to us. And he did it because he loves us. See, when, there, when there's a fractured relationship, somebody has to take the first step, Right? God, God stepped toward us because he wants things right with us. Have you ever read the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4? The first two children of Adam and Eve, Cain was a farmer, Abel was a shepherd. They each determined they were going to bring an offering to God. 
And, and Cain brought some of his produce, and Abel brought the first fruits of his flocks, the best of his flocks to God. God smiled on Abel because he brought the best, and he disapproved of Cain's offering because Cain brought the leftovers. Cain didn't think God was very special at all, and it was one of those, oh, it's good enough for who it's for type of offerings, right? Cain got angry. He pouted. And I want you to notice how much the father loves man, because even though Cain had not valued God at all, God, God still wanted a relationship with him. So God's talking to Cain. Here's what he says. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to, ma- it desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, what I see there, I see a warning sign. I see a, a chain stretched across the gate. And God's saying, you can do this. You can master it. But Cain chose to step over the gate. He brought his brother out into a field where the first murder was committed. And God's heart broke. But God still loves man. And so he continued to show up. He showed up for Noah. He remembered Noah and his family in the ark when it landed on top of Mount Ararat, and he opened the door. He also made a promise he would never again destroy the world by a flood. And he sealed that promise with a sign that still catches my attention today. You know, every time I see one of those, I take a picture of it. And you know why? Because it reminds me of God. Every time I see a rainbow, it reminds me of God. And here's where we see the idea of the word is first introduced here in Noah of covenant. It's an agreement between two parties. God made the covenant. Noah was just a signer to the covenant. He appeared to Abram, later to Abraham, choosing him out of all the other people in the world to be the father of a nation that would receive God's special attention. Why did God choose Abraham? We don't know. Although Abraham did have a very special faith in trusting God, which showed up over and over again, he took God at his worthy, believed God. When God said, you're going to be the father of a great nation, Abraham believed him. Even though he was 75 years at the time and had no children, he believed. Oh, his faith wavered at times, but he continued to believe God because faith is trusting what we can't hold in our hands, okay? Faith is, is trusting ahead even though we don't have it. Three times, God appears to Abram, finally changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many, and he still hadn't received a child. It's interesting, 20 years, for me, it's interesting, 20 plus years passes from the the second time God appears to the third time God appears, still no child. And Abraham still believed that God would come through. Now, I'll be honest, at 99, when God appears to him for the third time and he says, you're going to have a child next year, Abraham said, come on, Lord. How can this be? I'm, I'm almost 100 years old and Sarah's 90. God says, it's going to happen. Here's what happens. Here's what they say. Abraham believed God. And a year later, Isaac was born. God appeared to Isaac. God appeared to Jacob. And all through, the, all through the book of Genesis, we see God showing up, blessing people, though they were flawed, and making promises that he knew would come true. 
Because God always keeps his promises. Have you ever seen God show up? I was at the grocery store the other night. I, I'm, I've taken on a practice uh, personally. Uh, started last, last year, and uh, it's just a practice of praying for one. Uh, basically, what this is, I just pray for one person each day I can show the love of, of Jesus to. Okay, just pray for one. Pray for one. So I'm at the grocery store, standing in line, and the guy comes into the line beside me. And, uh, you know, I was helping Darla put a few things on the belt, and uh, the guy looks at me and says, well, Lance Hurley. And I looked at him and said, I have, I'm thinking, I have no idea who you are. Okay, it turns out I, I married him and his wife 25 years ago. He'd gone through a divorce, all kinds of, all kinds of different things. He'd also put on about 75 pounds. Okay, so, so anyway, so he, he said, here, I'm Jeff Nate. I said, Jeff, okay, good. Talk, guy. How you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We just talked back and forth for a few minutes. Darla was very graciously. She put the rest of the groceries on so I could talk. Okay, she's a, quite a wife. Anyway, so we were talking. We were talking away. And uh, he, he said this, he used this phrase, he said, last year was kind of tough. The summer was really, really hard. I said, well, tell me more. He said, well, my significant other uh, developed stage four cervical cancer. And she'd been going through treatments. I said, okay. I said, what's her name? So she, he gave me her name. I said, hey, can I pray for her? And he said, yeah, I'd appreciate that. I said, hey, why don't we pray right now? So we prayed right there in line. We finished checking out. He finished checking out. Said goodbye. Have a great day. And, uh, and I'll be praying for, for Jen. And as we walked out, I told Darla, I said, there was my one. There was my one today. And I told her, I said, isn't it amazing how God always shows up? When we look for him, when we look for him, the Father shows up. I believe God still appears today. Okay? We just got to watch for him. So we have a God who initiates contact because he wants us to know him. He loves us. And he wants us to be in relationship. And see, that's the third thing I saw from, from this massive passage is that when God showed up, man would respond. And it seems like every time God appeared, it happened to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the response was to build an altar. Altars were basically just undressed stones. They were stacked on top of each other. And the sacrifice would then take place on top of the altar. Anytime a promise was made or a blessing was given, an altar was built. Noah built an altar when he came off the ark. He sacrificed some of the animals as an offering to God. And the smell came up before the father. And we're told the father was pleased. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all built altars when God appeared, and it was on the altar that sacrifices were made. Now, thinking about sacrifices brings us to another important biblical concept. The concept is the word atonement. Atonement. You ever hear Yom Kippur, which is the Jewish day of atonement? The idea of atonement, it's something like this. When a sacrifice was made, the, the sacrifice would basically atone for the sins. It would cover them up. Because you can't appear before a holy father with dirty hands, right? We've got to be covered up. And so the sacrifice would, would cover up the sins and make us pleasing to the father. And it's kind of interesting because the, the sacrifices always stood between the holy father and the person. Because God doesn't like sin. 
He hates sin. He loves us. He hates sin. Now, there are two purposes for these sacrifices we see. One was guilt. Okay, when a person had guilt, they, they, had, they wanted to bring an offering to, to satisfy the Father. Let, let me paint a picture for you. You see a man entering a flower shop, buying a bouquet of flowers, and it's not Valentine's Day. What are you thinking? You know what you're thinking, right? Somebody has something to apologize for, right? Okay, you put a back box of candy on it, it's a much bigger apology, right? Okay, it's a guilt offering. Okay, sacrifices did this. They covered sin. Now, it was only a temporary fix because here's the reality. A person would sin again, right? Okay, and so you'd have to make another sacrifice to cover it up. Now, the other reason the sacrifice was made was for gratitude. To say thank you to God for something that the Father had done or promised. I'm, I've made these types of offerings before when something special has happened in my life, whether it be a purchase of a house, a new job, a birth of a child or grandchild, or maybe just an answer to prayer that I've been praying for a long time. I'll give above and beyond because I'm grateful for what the Father had done. Again, these sacrifices were just temporary because sin would happen again and another sacrifice would have to be made. See, God knew there was something better ahead. This was, temporary, temp- this was simply a standgap measure. The sacrifices were just that. They cost a person something, whether a bull, a sheep, a goat, whatever it may be. It caused something to bring a sacrifice to God. Another thing I noticed in this whole, this whole passage here is that all these sacrifices were personal. The people determined what they were going to bring. There was no standardized measure by God as to what to do. That came later. But each person realized when they were, were in front of God, they needed to do something to put themselves under the loving hand of God because he was holy. For those who were looking, God always showed up. Lives were changed forever. In fact, if you look at the life of Jacob, I'd encourage you to read uh, Genesis 27 and 28. You see him changing his perspective from when he talks to his dad, your God, to the next chapter saying, if you help bless me like you bless my father, you will be my God. See, that's the type of relationship God wants with each of us. A personal, intimate, deep, and real relationship. And we can have that. So I'd like to encourage you to do a couple things in the week ahead. First of all, I'd like to encourage you to read some of these stories of men and women from Genesis 4 through the end of the book, Genesis 50. You'll see some very surprising character flaws. Because these people were real, just like we're real. They sinned, just like we sinned. And yet, they encountered a God who changed them. Just as God continues to change us today when we encounter him. Secondly, I want to encourage you to look through your life and see where God has been at work. And what I encourage you to do, write down some of the ways, some of those mile markers where you say, okay, I saw God there. I experienced God here. I know he was watching out for me there. And write those down. I do this regularly myself. It's just a practice I have. Because I'll tell you what, during those dry times I have, which we all have dry times spiritually, it's always good to look back and see what God has done because what God has done, He will continue to do. Okay? That's our Father. That's the way He is. And thirdly, I'd like you to ask yourself this question. 
what am I offering up to God? What am I believing God can do? And what am I trusting Him for? You know, what areas of, of life do you need to trust the Father in? I, I, I don't know. I, I have areas. But what areas do you need to trust the Father in? Uh, maybe it's your marriage or, or your job or your kids or your finances or maybe even your future. I don't, I don't know what it is. What area do you need to, to trust the Father in? I love that first song we sang. It talked about taking those steps of faith, stepping in to the Father, trusting the Father. I'd encourage you to pick one of those areas you've been, you've been struggling with. And just ask the Father how you can step out in that. And just take one step this week. Just one step. See what happens. And maybe you're here today and you don't even know about this God thing. And that's okay too. We're glad you're here. God always says that if you seek me, you will find me. So I'm going to ask you, we all those areas of life where we need to, we need to see motion take place. Positive motion. I'd just like you to ask God, if, hey, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? A very simple prayer, but a very real prayer. And I know the Father. The Father shows up. And I love watching the Father show up. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the way you pursue us. Because you're the initiator. You're, you're the one who showed the love, the forgiveness. And I just thank you for the way you've shown up for me over and over again. Now, Lord, I know there's all kinds of stories out here in the church today of ways you've shown up. And Lord, help us to share those stories because we know that what you've done for us can be a great encouragement to somebody else who needs to see you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for being our Father. In the powerful name of your Son, we pray. Amen.